The VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 664, recorded on September 19th, 2022. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast, which is on game news from around the industry. So you'll, again, have to forgive TJ. He's been arrested and he's calling in from his prison cell somewhere in uh, Guatemala. Like I said, I've been traveling. I haven't changed <laughs> like, the, the, Like, I have a bigger room. That's all there is to it. So there's going to be more echo in here. Don't you have? Don't you have a mic with... A regular old sound mic? This is a this is my mic with a pop filter on it. Oh, don't tell me you're using a headset. No. Uh, I'm using a, I'm using a, a proper mic. Because it doesn't sound like you're using a cardioid or something. Anyways, uh, what have you been playing, TJ? Um. Uh, I actually this will be. Uh, out of embargo by the time we get to <laughs> I knew I yeah. knew there was an embargo problem when you went ah oh wait a minute <laughs> yeah I had to think uh, Beacon Pines and uh, I fucking love that game it's uh so Beacon Pines comes from uh I think it's uh Lo- Beacon Pines, yeah, it's it comes from the developer's hiding spot. It's a three, it's a three-person group, and uh, it's published by fellow traveler who have done quite a few other indies. Um, it's a very story-heavy game uh, about basically uh, kids in a sleepy little town full of mysteries and secrets. The t- it's it's a town that was built around a business, and then that business died, and uh, and the town almost died with it. And then another company crept in and took over and uh, is promising to bring everything back to the way it was. And then you've got these kids that uh, that are kind of just like running around having fun, looking for adventure and find it. But they also find like some unruly secrets of the town along the way. You do know that it's out of it's out of embargo, right? Because um, the demo is available on Steam right now. The demo is, but the full game is. No, but you're just describing whatever. You're just describing basically the plot that's on the product page. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, the demo is on Steam, so if you want to check it out, go right ahead. Sure. And uh, it's animal people, but like the artist, the art style of it is pretty nice. It's it's a very cozy, very well drawn, very well crafted art style. It's a storybook the, art style. Yeah. Um, but you actually explore the environment a bit too. Like the, there's, there's a lot of narrative to it. There's a lot of dialogue to it, but you also run around a lot. And, uh, Beacon Pines is a really, like, I really like the way they design the setting. And, uh, there are some very fun and interesting and, and sometimes really creepy twists in it. 
Um, it, here's the thing. Uh, for those who don't know, um, what happens is you'll be set with a scene, and it'll sort of fade out on the edges, so it gives it sort of like a storybook look, like you're actually looking at a page with characters moving on it. Yes. And more importantly, eventually you'll come to certain points in the story where it will be turning points. And uh, you'll have to make an important decision that will affect which way the story goes. Yeah, like uh, you have two characters confronting bullies and you have to do this little puzzle. Uh, not so much that as much as uh, you dis- as you explore Beacon Pines, you discover different what they're called as charms, but that really they just serve as words for those situations where you'll have one that's like you can either you can either be uh, so if you're trying to help your friend get out of chores, you can either be with uh, with his bigger sister, then you can either be chill about it. Or you can be a little shit, which is actually one of the charms, and uh, it drastic because one of in one of those routes he comes with you because you both kick her in the shin and run away, and then in another one uh, she doesn't fall for it and she takes your friend away and you have to go exploring by yourself. So would and, it? Would, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And when you've got these anchor points, uh, they become basically little. They become spots where you can go back to that point in story at in the story at any time you want. And uh, once you get better charms, you can change the outcome of the story with those charms. Uh, there's a lot of branching paths. There's a lot of different outcomes. And ultimately, you have to play through all of them to see the true ending. Right. So would it surprise you that this is basically the baby of one developer? Uh, well, the developer is Hiding Spot, and they did two games before this, uh, like Flipping Legend, uh, but it's by Corey Martin, but I'm pretty sure it's not a single-person development. The name of the developer is Hiding Spot, but um, I, he, you know, I'm pretty sure that he had a friend who's a really good artist <laughs> who helped him uh, make this game. But it has... It's a... Here's the thing. Um, they had a few... They had a, previous game that was Flipping Legend and it was a really popular iOS game and before that they did Ephemerid which was a musical adventure game so uh, this is their first major game that they're releasing you know on Steam I don't know if they're uh, releasing it on other platforms right now I'm I'm pretty sure it's just Steam right now Yeah. so yeah this is someone's baby just like um, you know you have Lucas Pope you know, doing uh, Return of the Oberdin and uh, Papers, Please. You know, this is, uh, like, a very personal vision. And it took five years to make, so this is the culmination of all that. It reminds me of another style, of, a, of another franchise, the way that the story and the going back and, and picking different choices plays out. It reminds me of the of the Zero Escape games. And it's not as violent or, or grisly as those games, but the whole point of like going down a path that isn't necessarily the truth, but also collecting useful information that you can then take back to other paths is very much something I like. And they do it very competently here. Yeah. Um, you know, for some reason, this game reminds me a little bit of Lucidity, although it's a completely different game with different graphics. There's just something about it that reminds me of Lucidity. Um, I don't know if either of you played Lucidity. Um, basically, it's the reverse of Limbo. <laughs> it's a bright, colorful world at first, you know, and it's about this little girl in a red, uh, red riding hood. And uh, it's basically like, um, oh, damn, what was the name of that game that came out 
the launch NES. That was the game you used for the Robbie the Robot game, you know? Um, oh, uh... I remember this game so much because I cheated with it. Um, there was at least two of them. There's two of them, and this is the one that came with the NES. Okay. Oh damn! What was yeah, the name of that? <laughs> I know it begins with a, I know it begins with a G. Uh, Gyromite. There you go. Uh, Lucidity was basically Gyromite, um, except using a controller. But the thing is that it has that uh, the graphics have that same feel. It has that same soft fluffy feel and um unlike a lot of games of the silk uh they really go into giving them uh shading and depth so it's a 2d image but it looks 3d you know they give them a lot of shading lines and stuff like that yeah like they they do they not only do a really good job of uh of of drawing the characters and giving them that depth they do a good job of like every every character that they have that does like big major dialogue has a has a larger uh, drawn counterpart, and uh, they do a good job of drawing emotes into the characters and really making them expressive and really making them. Yeah, pop. they're very expressive. <laughs> I uh, I love Luca, and and the cast of characters is just freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luca Van Horn is the main character. He's a little deer boy. And uh, right from the get-go, this is... Is he a deer boy? He, it looks like he's a rainbow, uh, a reindeer boy. Uh, I wouldn't know the difference. Uh, well, but, he, has reindeer, he has reindeer horns. But, um... And he's, he's wearing a Christmas shirt, so... <laughs> he is wearing <laughs> a Christmas, Christmas sweater. sweater. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also a mountainous town, so it, it made sense to me. But he, uh... This isn't even a spoiler, but, like, prior to the start of the game, his dad passed away, like, six years before. And then months before this, his mother then disappeared. And so he's left with his grandma. And that leads to a lot of heavy moments in the game. And, like, there's a... And not just for him, but, like, other characters around him as well. Um, It's... They have a lot, like... Beacon Pines has a lot of emotional baggage to it in a way that, but it handles it so well and that I just wanted to continue digging deeper and deeper and deeper, whether it was in the, like the bad paths that end up in a bad way. <laughs> By the way, um, one, one preview says, and I love this quote, it's like Mad Libs, except you might accidentally get someone killed or completely alter a life. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and another one says, Winnie the Pooh meets Twin Peaks. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed this game, though. It's probably... I love a good story game, and this is probably one of the better ones I've seen in a while. And uh, I would push... I would implore people to check it out once it comes out. It comes out... It comes on out on the 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be on Steam and, uh, and Nintendo Switch, and I think Xbox. How come I was going to say, yeah, it's probably going to be on Switch? I think it's going to be on Game Pass as well. Really? Well, then people have no excuse to, to not say to play it. I'm double-decker sure of that, but I'm almost certain that's a, it's a Game Pass game. Like I said, um, the last indie game of this ilk that I played on Game Pass I adored, and that was The Artful Escape. Um, it is going to be on Game Pass. Okay. Like I, like I said, this is the sort of game that's completely my shit. Um, I enjoyed Oxenfree, and you know, here's the thing. Oxenfree 2 hasn't come out yet. I'm wondering when that's going to come out. I, maybe it's been delayed by the pandemic, but um, 
you have oxen free, oxen free two, and afterlife. Although uh, after party, although I did, I wasn't as high on after party as I was on oxen free. Did you ever play after party? I know you liked oxen free. I liked oxen free. I never got around to after party. Uh, you got to play it. I mean, even if I didn't particularly like the characters as much as I did in oxen free. It's still an interesting game, and it uses all the same tropes as, as Oxenfree. The only thing I don't like about Oxenfree and uh, After Party is that uh, it's like the characters come off as 50-year-olds guessing what college students sound like. That's my only yeah. issue. They have that weird disconnect. Just like um, everything that Don't Know's done, you know, with their life is strange, their character's dialogue is always a little bit off. Because they're French people trying to figure out how Americans act. <laughs> they always have that. You, ever, you always feel that little, you know, that little disconnect with the Life is Strange games. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, the, you have these heavy moments, but, like, it almost, it almost tries to go. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. It almost tries to do this thing that, like, a lot of heavy-handed indie films do. Like, Juno. Juno's one that comes Oh, yeah. Yeah. It tries to be it tries to be charming at the same time that it tries to be heavy. Yeah. Well, that isn't it. It's just that the dialogue choices and stuff like that. Um, as you know, um, I really enjoyed Life is Strange, uh, True Colors. Uh, it was... I, I, I... The choice I made was to forgive at the end, so... Um, I'm never gonna do the uh, the accuse ending because that's not that's not the ending I want. So, did you forgive or or or, or, or condemn at the end of uh, True Colors? I haven't made it at the end of True Colors yet. Really? Okay. Yeah. Did Did you play True Colors, uh, Scott? No, I have not. Okay. I know a lot of people really love that game, though. I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was one of the better stories of 2021. It wasn't my favorite game. Like I said, um, the Artful Escape was... Uh, the story it told was fantastic. And it did something that true stories did not do, and that is it did not handhold you. This character is feeling like this. This character is feeling like that, you know? Everything you do in the after party is, you know inferred and it's dictated by you but you know what all you have to do you know it's the way you dress it's the way you look it's the backstory that you invent for your character it, it is such a wonderful game and i might buy it because it just it's it came off game pass or it's about to come off game pass and uh i think i might want to reward the, uh, annapurna for that one i mean i did not like 12 minutes unfortunately um sorry that was the game i was looking forward to but i ended up not liking it uh, the Artful Escape is basically a walking simulator, but it's uh, my favorite kind of walking simulator. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and I will say this. Uh, Beacon Pines, even with all of the paths that it has, it's not going to take up too much of your time. I finished the whole game in about eight and a half hours. Um, so not an incredibly long game, but I do I do think it was a very, very good experience, and it didn't take any more time than it needed to. I think um, that's the same amount of time that Darkfall Escape took me, actually, maybe even less, maybe six hours. But here's the thing. When I play the Artful Escape, it's like the time went so fast. It's like, oh, wait, I spent six hours playing this? Really? It's like, 
I it felt like a half hour sitcom, but it really, you know, it, it's just captivating. Uh, have either of you played the Artful Escape yet? I have played the Artful Escape, but I haven't okay. finished it. Oh, how can you not finish it? <laughs> I gotta play it again just because the music is so good. <laughs> yeah, I love the music in that game. Scott, what have you been playing? I've been playing uh, a little bit of a, a game called Lines. I think it's Lines X on right. Steam. And, of course, playing Minecraft. And <laughs> um, I've been kind of busy lately. Uh, I did back uh, one game, uh, Kickstarter uh, Worlds of Antara, uh And uh, that has like a couple days left. So, And it, it met its goal. And it, it got a few of its stretch goals. Uh, not all of them, but... It seems to be doing pretty well. It's a pixel strategy, uh, um, Skyrim 2D wannabe kind of game. So it's, it's kind of ambitious. It wants to be this open world RPG in 2D. That's, it's interesting to see what they do. It's interesting that you played Lines X. <laughs> to me. Because that is a 99 cent puzzle game. Basically, yeah, it's, just... it's, it's cheap, I know. But no, I mean, I have another game like that in which you're doing fabrics. Uh, you have to you have to do fabric. Oh damn! What is the name of it again? Uh, you know, this is a very very interesting thing for people who are listening to this podcast, listening to us stumble upon names of games and all this dead air. You know, I think it's called uh, Strata. It's called Strata. Have you have you do you know Strata? Let's see. I don't think so, but I can look it up. Yeah, Strata is a. How much is it now? It can't be that much anymore. It is eight dollars. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cheap. It's just there's so many games I want to play, but none of them are out yet. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, Mini Metro is a game that, when I get into it, it's like I spend an hour, even though it's a very... Mini Metro is like one of those games, um, you know, which seems simple. But since I love trains and I love subways, I started started getting into it. Yeah. Have you, have you, played, have you played Mini yes. Metro? No. But I'm looking at the Strata, and it does look nice. It has some nice piano music, and the fabric uh, is interesting. I guess you're weaving. Yeah, so it's basically um, you have to place lines down, and you have to do it in such a way that the pattern is matched, because if you, if you put it over it, then it doesn't match. But I would say play Mini Metro if you're going to get a nice casual game. Because uh, that, that's one of those games in which there's actually a very devoted following. It's one of those niche games which is just really hardcore because not only is it a, uh, a casual game, but it's sort of like you want to maximize and see how far you can go, how many people you can get, and how long you can have your subway going before uh, one of the stations is overrun. Oh, wow, yeah. It's a really fun game. You only have a limited number of lines. You earn lines as you move along. Or you can earn uh, more trains. You can earn different things. It's... It's an abstract game, but it's very easy to pick up, and it's very fun to play. Anyway, now that we've done our casual game report, <laughs> let's talk about what I've been playing. Um, you know what? I've just been playing Dragon Age Inquisition, really. That's it. I've been going through DLC I haven't played yet, uh, like the Tales of Hakkar. I did uh, Trespasser, but like I said, you know... I just want to play... Sometimes I just play games again just like reading a book, you know? And I'm enjoying the story. 
The funny thing is, I, unlike Mass Effect, I'm not really changing my choices. I'm just playing it the way I always play. I just enjoy the story that much. And the thing is that um, I hate everything about Dragon Age Inquisition except for the story and the characters. And that's enough to bring me through the game once I put it on the easiest level and I just take a long time to level them up. So, yeah. I am going to... Um, I have been playing uh, Tiny Kin as well, which is, like I said last week, it's uh, 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 Pikmin meets Mario part, uh, Paper Mario, except it's on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. That sounds really fun. Yep. It, it, it takes place in a house, so it's sort of like, in that way, it's kind of like, uh, um, oh, darn, what's the name of the rolling ball game again? My brain is fried. Oh, um, Katamari Damacy. So you have, um, it, it, the, the levels look like Katamari Damacy, at least the earlier ones when you're a tiny little thing, rolling balls. This one, you're just a tiny little Paper Mario dealing with, with things in a big, big house. Anyways, um, moving on to quick news. Uh, we just have one quick news, and that is gr- disgruntled employees spammed players of a 14-year-old MMO uh, with profanity-laden official notifications. Uh, servers for Wizard 101 were temporarily shut down, seemingly in response. Did you hear about this? <laughs> no, I haven't. So, um, you know how in an MMO you get these little pop-ups when you're going places? Um You'd have pop-ups in this game that are coming that say things like, um, uh, dick and balls. <laughs> or, the next world is my boss's asshole. And another one is, uh, like, um, Bradley, come down to the office this instant. Hashtag the CEO. Just really weird stuff. Uh, just some employee decided to just screw the game up. And it wasn't a hacker. It was someone who's working at the at the MMO. Just really weird stuff. It's better than when you had Minecraft doing racial slurs. That is uh, that is ridiculous. Like I, I have seen the messages that people that they have been doing. It's like, wow, what did they do to this guy to piss them off so much? <laughs> or maybe he's just bored and doesn't care if he gets fired. It's like. Oh. Um, PC Gamer says that uh, they love the line, next world is my boss's asshole, because it sounds like graffiti from Disco Elysium. <laughs> I could not finish that game. Um, there are just uh, some games that are walls of texts, and that one defeated me. It just defeated me. I couldn't do any more of it. Anyways, um, now, we were going to talk about the Tokyo Game, uh, uh, you know, the Tokyo Game uh, show. But um, today, some incredibly big news. Well, it wasn't. It's not exactly news. It's a huge leak that just sort of like, yeah, you you have to make this the number one news item. Huge uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 leak includes gameplay footage of robbery, vice leading locations, and two playable characters. And this comes to us from PC Gamer. A user on GTA forums by the name of Teapot Uber Hacker. Um, by the way, A plus on your username there. Teapot Uber Hacker. You're, you're so lucky you thought of that one first. Uh, who say they are also behind a recent Uber hack that has posted 90 videos. They claim came from a test build of Grand Theft Auto 6, 
running with uh, GTA 5 and 6 source code and assets. Screenshots and clips from these videos are doing the rounds on YouTube, Twitter, Reddit, and elsewhere, and they line up with details from the recent GTA 6 leak, as well as an earlier one, both of which suggested it would have multiple playable characters, one woman, and be sent in and around the Miami-esque uh, Vice City, which makes sense because um, didn't uh, 5 take place in Los Santos? And 4 took place in, uh, what did they call the, the New York version of uh, Liberty City? It was so, a Vice City one. Yeah, there was a real... No, I'm saying... So what happens is GTA 4 went back to Liberty City. GTA 5 went back to uh, Los Santos. And now they're going back to Vice City. Okay. Uh, the leak's validity has now been confirmed by Rockstar itself. As they said, an author- unauthorized third party illegally accessed and downloaded confidential information from our systems, including early development footage from the next Grand Theft Auto, the company wrote. Uh, by the way, this basically cements, yes, there's going to be a Grand Theft Auto 6 coming. Not that anybody didn't think it was coming, but now we know for sure they're under. It's under work. It's being worked on. In one video, a player character named Lucia robs a waffle restaurant with an accomplice named Jason, taking hostages like they're in Pulp Fiction. A meter counts down to time until cops dispatch, and it looks reminiscent of the robberies in Red Dead Redemption 2. In spite of the mannequin NPCs clipping through objects, placeholder dialogue like Jason, generic curse to self, and a cop car that's been recycled from GTA 5, only with VCPD written on it. More convincing is the footage showing a poolside conversation between a male player character and a couple of redneck associates. Dialogue like, oh yeah, he's dead, is he? Just like there's a country called Finland, comes off as extremely rock star with the voice acting quality checks out. The previous GTA 6 leak claimed that the game has been in development since 2014, uh, for those who are bad with math, that's eight years, and was originally codenamed Project Americas. These files have the word Americas in their names, and some of which show a version running on a PlayStation 4 dev kit, which may be several years old. Still, if they're legit, they confirm the broad details of the previous leaks, which make it sound like a game that probably won't be done until 2025. So, <clears throat> have you seen the videos? I have not. <clears throat> but, well, no, I have seen like screen caps, and I've seen a few small clips here and there. Um, this sucks. <laughs> there is no reason. There was no reason for this to be this game to be seen in this state it's in, because right now it literally just looks like they've got the skeleton down or are working on the skeleton, and it's not fleshed out. It's not pretty. It's it's an alpha build. It's an alpha 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 build, <laughs> and it sucks that this is like. This is somebody went out of their way to make sure people see this because now you've got a massive army of loud nerds on the internet. It's like this is what Grand Theft Auto Six is going to look like. This looks terrible. It's like yeah, I think it's it's the it's opposite. Like three to five years away. You know, I think it's the opposite. I think this put Grand Theft Auto back in people's minds because you know the, yeah. this leak is kind of interesting. It came out right after Saints Row tanked. And has gotten blasted. And this is sort of like reminding people, hey, Grand Theft Auto still exists, and it's coming soon at some point. You you see that piece of shit that's Saints Row? Well, don't worry. We're going to have our Grand Theft Auto soon. Even if that soon is three years from now. Yeah, I think this game sits in development for another three to five years. Um, There's so much... Like, the scope of the, the... Rockstar is building a game that they can keep releasing for the next decade. You know that. Yeah. 
Because yep. that's what they've done with Grand Theft Auto V. Um, you know, here's the thing. I wonder if GTA 6 is going to use the Unreal Engine 5, because that's the hotness right now, especially for next gen. And... Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be Xbox Series X, PlayStation Five, no doubt. Um, oh, I hope I hope it's not Xbox Series X two and the PlayStation Six. Um, so it's gonna look amazing. Um, I just hope they don't have characters who I dislike. I'm looking at you, Francis. I'm I'm sure there'll be characters they don't. Francis. Oh, what about that psychopath? He's the one that's the. the no, I mean that's I'm talking about the psychopath. Okay. Well, that was Trevor. Trevor, yeah, I'm Trevor. sorry. Why, did I, think, why did I think his name was, was Francis? Francis is a, a guy that he kills. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he's Trevor, also, I don't want to play Trevor a anymore. Biker from uh, the Lost and Damned. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I want to do is um that's why um I did not do I even though I could have done it I did not have the three of them. The only I only did it once to get the achievement, but my canonical uh, ending is that Michael and and what's his face kill him. That was so satisfying to watch him die. I did it twice. It was that exciting. <laughs> and the reason for Michael doing it, when, when the other guy is shocked, like, he was fucking eating people. What are you talking about? That, that's a step too far. I, I, don't, I don't like cannibalism. <laughs> the thing about Trevor is that he is supposed to be the player of most Grand Theft Auto games because they do whatever they want. And they just do wild shit because, you know, there's no consequences for it. Basically, Trevor is a middle finger to the player. Yeah, he really is. Because there were times where I would be I, I would be on Michael and I'm having him do the stock exchange. Then I go over to Franklin and I do his thing. And I go over to fucking Trevor. And Trevor is sitting on the fucking highway being chased by... Uh, gangs and and cops and it's like oh my god dude I can't you have Trevor's taking his shit out in the open what are you talking about Trevor takes his shit in the out in the open yeah I I remember one time I I found him on a moped chasing someone and he was like uh, catcalling them and I'm like what are you doing he he does the most random stuff when you go back to him after you've played for Michael or Franklin for a few hours. It's crazy. Or maybe it's it's taking a shot at Saints Row, uh, Saints Row, uh, the ones in which you uh, you know you have these mini games in which like you're you're uh, splashing uh, buildings with shit because you're trying to lower the property property values for someone. That sort of thing. I don't know. It's just I didn't enjoy playing as him, and when I got him killed, it was the high point in the game for me. <laughs> I'll kill him three more times. That's why I don't I don't I don't replay Grand Theft Auto V because I don't want to play those characters any, I mean, anymore. I don't. I mean, well, why don't you play Grand Theft Auto Online where you can buy shark cards to to pursue your criminal dreams? Because I don't I don't play many <laughs> I don't play many live service games. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. That's why I play Red Dead Redemption uh, over again, but not Red Dead Redemption Two. Now the reason for that. Is that um? Does nobody else notice that this guy is fucking nuts? Why do they keep listening to him? Which one, Dutch Vanderlyn? Yeah, why do they keep listening to Dutch? Dude, every time Dutch has one of these these, these get rich quick schemes, they go wrong. Partly because of Micah, 
you know, if you're gonna have me do this, I you should just let me. Why can't I just shoot Micah in the head immediately? You want to give me freedom? Let me shoot Micah and then say no to Dutch. (laughs) That was something that rubbed me the wrong way. Like uh, Dutch Vanderlyn. I get it. He's supposed to be charismatic. He he is a re- he is the reason why a lot of them came together. He raised a lot of them like a surrogate father. Micah is just an all around in and out piece of shit, and I don't understand why anyone lets him live. Why does anybody Why does anybody trust him? It, like, what does does Micah have compromising photos of of, of Dutch? Because Dutch just lives. Finally, at the end, when you die, he finally shoots Micah. Uh, it's a little bit too late, there, Dutch. A little bit too late. He doesn't even shoot Micah. He walks away in disgust. Yeah, or whatever. It's like... See, in Red Dead Redemption, at least I was... I was, you know, I was controlling... I was actually controlling um, uh, John. You know? I could do good things, I could do bad things. I had a choice. I mean, there are things I didn't have a choice in, but at least they weren't just... Because in Red Dead Redemption 2, I feel like I'm being railroaded. Doing things that I here the one number one thing I want from a video game is that I not be smarter than the characters. They ha, we have to be at, on at least equal level, which is why playing Mass Effect is so great because Shepard doesn't do stupid shit unless you tell him to do stupid shit. I mean, you can be a paragon, you can be a renegade, but you know what? He's not doing things just for shits and giggles. Yeah, and I mean. It's a shame because I really do like Arthur Morgan. I really, I, I enjoy that character. I enjoy the journey with him. I really think he's a great predecessor to uh, to what would be John Martin. John Marston. Marston. Yeah. And I really enjoyed playing as Arthur for better or worse throughout that entire thing. And man, they did him dirty. <laughs> you know, uh, they did him even dirtier because the game takes place when they did find a cure for tuberculosis. So, and for, I don't know if he knew about it or not, but, you know, you have tuberculosis. Maybe you go to a doctor, maybe you go to New York, find out, you know? Uh, you talk about doing people dirty is um, John Marston in Zombie Nightmare in the uh-huh. zombie game. That That's just depressing. He does everything he does. In, in, in the regular game, he saves his wife and kid. In, in the zombie game, nope, his wife and kid are zombified and they're dead. And then he becomes a zombie. Spoiler warning. But at least as a zombie, <laughs> you get revenge. <laughs> so, anyways, um, did you follow the Tokyo Game Show? Yes. Yes, so, we did. So let's. There's a lot of stuff that was announced that we're gonna cover the major stuff first. Um, TJ, take away the first item. Tekken 8 is a turning point for the series. Tekken 8 was properly revealed during Sony's State of Play last week, but we learned more about the game at TGS. Uh, in Katsuhiro Harada's first, uh, inter- exclusive first interview with IGN, we learned plenty about the upcoming fighting game, including how it will showcase the face-off between Jin Kazama and Kazuya Mishima. Harada also praised Nintendo's Masahiro Sakurai for his work on Smash Bros. and said that he would consider bringing guest characters back into the fold for Tekken 8. They also... Oh, no, that's the other game. Uh, so, yeah, you, you t- we talked about Tekken 8 briefly uh, last week and how excited people were. Um, are you even more excited for it now? Yes. It's very cool. The game looked... There was a lot of in-engine stuff happening in that trailer, like where it was an actual, like... Harada clarified that it was a story mode fight, but uh, 
But the fact of the matter was, it's a story mode fight. It's actually something that you would play in the game. And that is cool as hell. I, uh, I loved the stuff that we saw. I think this is the first Tekken game that I, I do believe they're moving up to Unreal Engine 5 with this one. Yes, they are. And uh, you could see it. Like, there's dynamic weather going on in the background. There's so much detail, like so much lighting and so much uh, musculature effect and sweat and all that stuff, like as they're punching each other. And it's just, man, they look good. It, Here's the thing. Uh, we, we, I think we discussed this last week in which we talked about how they were going for the realism. You know, Street Fighter VI always has, well, it usually has sort of a, a, a cartoony anime look to it. Uh, this Tekken is not going for that. It's going for something that's more like um, like uh, uh, Mortal Kombat, but still rounded out. So it's not completely realistic. There's a roundness to it, but it has a lot of realism to it. Yeah, and I just I really liked all the effects that we saw in there. We, I really liked uh, the slow mo impact hits, the uh, the heavy stuff. I liked the electric effects. Everything was very cool looking. Um, this is going to be an incredible chapter for this franchise. Uh, Scott, take the next one. Okay. Yakuza, oh, no. sorry, Resident Evil Village DLC. No. Like, what? <laughs> Street Fighter. Oh, I thought you, oh. He, he did Tekken. <laughs> uh, Street Fighter, I'm sorry, Street Fighter 6 full launch roster revealed. Street Fighter 6 launch day roster will feature 18 characters and Capcom pulled back the curtain on the full list of playable fighters on day one. From returning classics like Ryu, Ken, and Chun-Li to new challengers, including the custom character creator for Game World's tour, tour mode, uh, the game is also set to get a closed beta in October with details on how to sign up to come. I saw the video today um, in which they were showing off the World Tour mode, and I'm thinking, oh, it's just another live service. But on the other hand, you know what? If this one has a good audience mode, then I'm all for it. And you know what I would like is uh, for an audience mode, and it's possible because this is a fighting game, in which it's not like you're watching the screen, but actually you're there in the crowd and you're, you can, like a, a tennis game, you can look back and forth and watch them do their moves as if you were standing there in the arena. You know what I mean? Instead of just having like, oh, you're just streaming the screen, you know, a 2D screen. I know a lot of people were complaining about the uh, about the character creator, but it looked fine to me. I don't know what people were complaining about. I don't know either. The, for what I saw, the game looked... You know what I like about this? Is that how, just how much effort they're putting into fleshing out single-player options in this game. Um, and they, it's not... And it seems to be without, like, leaving the competitive side sagging. Um... They are doing a very good job of putting in co- of putting in what looks like content that people will want to play when they're not playing against other people. I uh, I really appreciate that because Street Fighter V is like that was like the complete opposite of that where it was built only for esports and only for esports only. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was just like I I like fighting other people. But I don't want to fight other people all the time. Sometimes I just want to play a, a, a round of arcade mode and, and figure out my combos and see how they work in a, a sort of simulated setting. I played Injustice 2, and I never played online. I was perfectly satisfied to do ladders and stuff like that. I didn't want mm-hmm. to play online. People are shits. <laughs> Agreed. And 
And so, like, I really enjoy just how much they're pouring into things like the world tour mode where you can create your own character and face off against a rival and like gather fighting moves from other, from other characters. I also like that they are building a class. They're building essentially like they're building a Capcom classic arcades game inside of street fighter six, where you can just go to like check out games. I think so far they, they featured uh, street fighter two, of course, uh, but I've also seen Street Fighter Three, and I've seen some games that aren't even fighting games in their little in their little arcade thing. It's like it's like what Sega does with the Yakuza games, where they just put a straight up Sega arcade inside the Yakuza games that is fully playable, and I think that's dope as heck. Uh, next item is Resident Evil Village's DLC will say goodbye to the Winters family. Ethan Winters has been the main character of the Resident Evil series for the last two entries, but next month's uh, Shadows of Rose story DLC will mark the final chapter of the Winters' time in the franchise. Elsewhere in the Resident Evil-verse, we learn that the upcoming Resident Evil 4 remake was also in development for PlayStation 4, alongside the previously announced PS5 and Xbox Series X consoles, which is interesting. I know there are going to be a lot of people who are salty about it not getting an Xbox One uh, uh, upgrade? I mean, here's the thing. Resident Evil 4 is available for everything. It's available for the Zebo for crying out loud. Um, so it's, it is on the Xbox uh, One, but it's not going to be this, you know, this upgraded version. So I think it's because uh, they're thinking more about Japan and people who own an Xbox One in Japan, there isn't enough to uh, justify it. So... Um, so it seems kind of ominous when they say goodbye to the Winters family. Because here's the thing about Resident Evil. No one ever dies. Mm-hmm. No one. No one. So what's going on with Ethan Winters' family then? Um, I don't know. I think they're just ready to move on from that story, from what we've got, like the basically the story that they've told so far. Which, I don't know if they... You know what I want them to do? And I and I don't know if this is considered to be a bad opinion or an unpopular opinion, but there's a character I would like them to re-explore and maybe make a new chapter with, and it's Sherry Birkin from uh from Resident Evil Two. She's the little gr- she's the little girl and daughter of the scientists that fuck everything up in Resident Evil Two. And uh, the last time we saw her was grown up in uh, Resident Evil Six, but that game sucked, so not a lot of people saw it. You know what? Here's the thing. Um, I played Resident Evil a little bit of Resident Evil 6. It wasn't as bad as people said it was. There were tone issues, but I didn't think it was all that bad. There I are, thought I thought I thought Resident Evil 5 was worse. There are a few competent parts of uh, Resident Evil 6, but it's sagging under the weight of very very incompetent incompetent. Well, we know now that uh, the development of that game was really rough, and there was like too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, it would. Be, it is. You know, there's some parts that are really, really good because one person worked on that. There's some parts that suck because another person worked on that. There was no. There was never a um, a uniqueness of vision there. You know. Yeah, like leon's chapter stories in that game fighting through like fighting fighting through an infected white house and fighting through an infected city those that part was legitimately fun and felt like because it's because it is like resident evil 4 in that it's just campy and weird 
you know, Resident Evil 4 has a little person dressed up as Napoleon. And uh, and also, you've got, like, widespread chaos in a city. It feels like Resident Evil. Yeah. And then you've got freaking Jack Darms McGee, Chris Redfield, with his whoever that other guy is. I don't even remember his name. Just doing straight-up Gears of War freaking cover-based <laughs> tactical shooting. What the fuck? <laughs> and that's, like... That uneven approach to the game is why it's so, is why it needed a reboot. Is why Resident Evil 6 is so bad. You know what? I still love to see Sherry Birkin come back because I want to see that character involved. I want to see more chapters with her. Here's the problem I have Capcom doesn't seem to realize that people liked Ethan Winters because he had nothing to do with. With the, um, with the, uh, 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 he had nothing to do with Chris Redfield. He had nothing to do with the corporation. It was just a weird horror film that's starring uh, Ethan Winters. And then they had to contrive some way to say, oh, wait, this is a new Resident Evil game. Yeah, we have to, we have to get, uh, uh, the stupid corporation back in there. The Umbrella Corporation. Yeah, they, we have to incorporate that somehow. I, here's a little thing. I don't give a shit about the Umbrella Corporation. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> it's like Gat in the Saints Row series. I don't get the appeal. I don't know why people care. <laughs> I don't care about the Umbrella Corporation so much as I. There are characters in the Umbrella Corporation that I thought were that I like to see their storyline. Um, like seeing Wesker all the way through to the end was. Oh God! I don't care about Albert Wesker. I really don't. He should have just stayed dead. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I really, I uh, Albert West. You can uh, a little Albert goes a long, long way. Total global saturation. Hey, if it, uh, look, we dumped Albert Wesker and we got Lady Dimitrescu. Okay, I take that sure. in the trade. Oh, uh, by the way, <laughs> she's having her own game, so <laughs> she's gonna be a part of Mercenaries. You can play as her. Which, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, I I just want her as a villain. I don't want to play as her, Capcom, although we know that's totally going to happen. I mean, you know, people get their rocks off with Ada Wong, suddenly she's all over the place. Now they have Lady D, and... I don't... Do you think Ada Wong is is overexposed? Do you think she's reached saturation yet? I think she's a. I, I think she's out there enough to be a fan favorite character in, in both fun and unfortunate ways. But, uh, but at least you know what they don't. They don't overfocus on her. She appears. She does her thing. She leaves. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this series because obviously they're not doing the winters again. They're uh, they're going to move on. <laughs> I hope yep. they go with Sherry Birkin for a new for a new story. Okay, tell us about Yakuza there, uh, TJ. Yakuza series rebrands to Like a Dragon and reveals three new games for 2023 and beyond. RGG Studios' Yakuza series has always been called Like a Dragon in Japan, and now the localized versions of future games in the series will follow suit. Beyond the name change, we learned that three new titles in the Like a Dragon series, Ishin, the long-awaited uh, localization of Yakuza Samurai spinoff, Like a Dragon 8, and a spinoff starring K- Kazuma Kiryu. The series will... The series also probably isn't coming to Nintendo Switch, which... Yeah. Well, live, uh, if, if they really want it, they're going to see streaming again for that. 
Yeah, here's the thing. I wonder if Nintendo at some point is going to release a Switch Pro that has a bigger hard drive. Forget about, you know, you can always d- dump down the resolution because it really isn't that important because a lot of people are going to be playing on that little screen anyway, so it's not going to be that big a deal. The thing that people have, uh, that thing that's the main issue is storage. And if there's going to be a, a Switch Pro, give it at least, you know, a terabyte. But um, finally, we learned that the series isn't committed to stick with turn-based game- gameplay, and the combat style could change depending on each individual game's story. Which is good, um, because uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon? Yeah, the uh, the main character was obsessed with Dragon Quest, so of course it's going to be a turn-based game. Uh-huh. But now you've got him and you've got Kiryu in the new one, Like a Dragon 8. And uh, it's looking like Kiryu is ready to, to, to stop punching people and maybe... Uh, Pass on the torch. No, no, no. You see, here in in the streets of Dojima, um, your way of saying hello to people is to take a bike and whack them across the face with it. <laughs> yeah, but he's looking a little long in the whiskers. He's uh, he's got some gray going on this time. And uh, and we saw the return of Yakuza uh, Like a Dragon. Uh, that protagonist. Um, it's your band. Yeah. And so it's gonna be interesting. I Ishin looks great. I uh, think that was my favorite of these three reveals, and uh, I'm way into the idea of cutting dudes in half with uh, Yakuza's combat style. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Scott, take the next item. <laughs> okay. Yakuza series. No, we just talked about that, Scott. <laughs> yeah? The next one. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sonic Frontiers, Sega Details, Super Sonic Boss Fights. Sonic Frontiers is bucking a lot of trends the Sonic franchise is known for, and Super Sonic is no exception. Usually not appearing until the final moments of each Sonic game, Super Sonic will instead be used more frequently throughout the open zone areas in Sonic Frontiers. In fact, some bosses will be practically untouchable until you unlock Super Sonic, which will also unlock an entirely new set of combat options. Um, DJ, do you want to, exp- or Scott, you want to explain who's, uh, what Supersonic is for the people who don't know? I think that's the, uh, Metal Sonic who go, or, oh, that's a Super Saiyan Sonic. He's all yellow and, <laughs> uh, I guess. Yeah, they should call him Super Saiyan Sonic. <laughs> Super, yeah, Super Saiyan is definitely, I think, the right term to use because he goes all, like, gold, blonde. Whatever. Yeah, he's gold and he explodes. And, he's, he's, like, uh, flaming. Yeah. And I guess he runs faster or hits harder. Uh, it sounds like they're going to gate areas, so that way you have to uh, have certain abilities before you can access those areas. Uh, but it's Teacher. still like leveling. It's like, uh, but it's still interesting. Teacher? You rubes, you complete fools. It's Sonic with all the chaos and modes. Yeah. We know that, but we're talking about what he looks like. <laughs> But it's interesting that you'll be able to turn to Supersonic, and the question is, is it because you have all the Chaos Emeralds? Do the Chaos Emeralds exist? Or, or you know, because it's not an end-of-game thing. It's it's going to be a mechanic. That is very interesting, because usually Knuckles has one of the Chaos Emeralds, and he gets real punchy when somebody tries to take it. <laughs> yes. Well, what's his name again? <laughs> Knuckles. <laughs> the Echidna. But, uh... The more we see of Sonic Frontiers, the more it's winning me over. The more I think it could actually be a very fun and good Sonic game. I forgot. Is this Sonic Team or is this the uh, the fan team? It is Sonic Team, which makes it even okay. more uh, of a shocker that it could be good. 
Well, here's the thing. They're taking their time with this because Sonic Frontiers has been, what, two years uh, when it was first announced? I'm trying to remember now. Uh-huh. But usually when they announce a Sonic game, it's sort of like when you play the Sonic game, it's like it feels like it was held together with duct tape and 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 and, and nails, you know. It's like so whenever the Sonic game comes out that isn't, you know, a 2D game, it's sort of like they it feels like until the very last second, you know. This one seems like they're taking their time with. Yeah, I don't know, cuz like in the past the, the things that have hurt Sonic games the most is trying to meet something like a holiday deadline. And Sonic Frontiers is trying to meet a holiday deadline. But it feels like they've actually put in the time ahead of time to act, to make sure that it's going to be good instead of trying to cram it all into like a short development period and push it out the door as soon as possible. I uh and I will admit when I first when like we first saw some of the gameplay, it looked drab and I wasn't I didn't dig the uh, the lack of color in a Sonic game because is he is he dating another human woman in this one? I forgot. I don't think so. Because that was the creepiest thing of Sonic uh, Boom. Was it Boom? No, Sonic twenty sixteen. I forgot which one which had him have a girlfriend, and it's sort of like creepy. It's like oh, we're doing bestiality now. Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, this uh. They've showed things like Amy, they've showed uh, Metal Sonic, they've showed a few other different aspects, and every time they've shown stuff, like I'm, I'm slowly being won over and thinking that this could actually be a fun and exciting Sonic game. Moving on to next time, Sudigan highlights the return of the classic Konami games. Uh, beloved Konami RPGs Sudigan and Sudigan 2 are getting new HD remasters for PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC next year. Who called this last week? That was me. <laughs> Because, well, we'll get into it after I read this. Uh, the two games will come packaged in one collection called Sudiken 1 and 2 HD Remaster Gate Rune and Dunan Unification Wars. Uh, along with the announcement, K- uh, Konami developers said they'd like to keep making more Sudiken games in the future. In addition to Sudiken, we also learned about the revivals of classic uh, Konami franchises, including The Maze of Gallia, Star Soldier, Parodius, Twinbee, and Puyan. Puyan? Uh, do you guys know what Puyan is? No, I haven't heard of that one. It's an arcade game, which I played back in the day, in which you played a mother pig. Same here, little piglets from the Big Bad Wolf. And it was sort of like you're going up and down in this basket and you're shooting arrows. So that is very weird to have a revival of his Puyan. <laughs> um, but I called it um, Aiden, uh, you know, the Aiden Chronicles games, um, Rising and Hundred Heroes, are set in the Sudokan universe, and I was saying... This sounds like they're getting ready to bring back the Sudokan games. So now you have the Sudokan 1 and 2 being HD remaster, right? And that means, you know what? They're getting set to release a new mainline game in the series. And Scott, I know you're excited about that. I'm very excited to have this. I'll be getting it on Steam and maybe Switch as well. <laughs> Just to show but Konami I mean, that, you know, we want more Sudokan and get a vote for you with your wallet and, uh, you know, Unless they, it's on they, Game they, Pass, because um, yeah, they, both uh, Aiden games are going to be on Game Pass. Yeah, they're going to be on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and uh, Steam. And they've remastered the uh, backgrounds, they've changed the portraits, and they even did a new localization or a new translation to you know fix some issues that were present. 
Uh, and they're combining this as a, as a bundle. You get both of them together. We don't know what the price point is, but I'm guessing anywhere from 30 to 60, somewhere around there. Yeah. Hopefully um, 30 or 40. We also saw a lot more of 100 Heroes, and the one thing that, that struck my eye immediately was the fact that you're going to have a lot more freedom of movement. For those who played Rising, um, you can only go in 2D directions and occasionally go up to go to another thing. Here, you're actually going up, down, left, and right, and it's not it's not a 2D plane anymore. Yeah, they, they showed an image of a castle, which may be the castle that you're rebuilding. Uh, they showed a lot of the sword fighting. They showed more combat for the different characters. And the music was uh, nice and upbeat and kind of matched what you would expect of a, a trailer that's uh, previewing a, a war conflict. Yeah. So that was much more fitting. Now, if you remember in Aiden, uh, Aiden Chronicles Rising, um, you had a, you had four, te- three, four teammates? Was it four or three? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, three. It was you. Three, yeah. three, three players. You had... Uh, CJ, Garu, and Isha, and right. you switched between them as you did right. combat. So here's the thing. In 100 Heroes, they literally mean 100 heroes, yep. in which they're going to be 100 different characters. That And here's the thing. People are going to be looking at combos. You know, I'm going to use this character with this character with this character, and we're going to have that combo when I'm going out adventuring. So it's going to be very interesting to see what characters emerge as people, people's favorites. You know, you can have a lot of discussion about that. I'm sure we'll be able to get very in-depth. There'll be the whole rune lens uh, mechanic and then the uh, hero unite uh, attacks that they'll have. Uh, hoping that Garu, Isha, and um, CJ will have their own combo since they were together in Rising. They'll probably have come up with something for 100 heroes. And then there's all the other characters, of course. Uh, so it's, it's going to get quite in-depth, I think. Yeah, one of the minor complaints I heard about uh, Rising was that it was basically a fetch quest game in which you were just doing all these fetch quests, you know, yeah. doing quests for them, doing quests for them, you know. But I didn't mind that at all, because um, uh, one thing, it's even if it wasn't on Game Pass, it's a twenty dollar game, <laughs> uh, and it's basically whetting your appetite for the universe that it's going to be set in and the art style, and um, it'll be, you know, Hundred Heroes is going to be on Game Pass. So I'm definitely going to play it. And uh, like I said, um, Rising left uh, me with a good taste in my mouth, so I am interested in more. Yeah, it, it, it'll be a good game, I think, and uh, it's a nice prelude. It had some of the story elements that'll probably show up in the main game, and uh, yeah, I'm excited for you know what's to come with this series. Uh, TJ, take the next one. This is gonna be Star Wars. Yep. Star Wars. Star Wars Eclipse will merge action adventure with the fundamentals of Quantic Dream games. Shall we wait before we move on? Uh, Quantic Dream are the people who made uh, Alan Wake Control. No, I'm sorry, it is yeah, Alan Wake Control and um, Heavy Rain. What was the other game? What? Heavy yeah. Rain. Quantic Dreams are the ones that made Heavy Rain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Detroit becoming human. Detroit becoming right. human. What's that other one? And it's Two Souls. Two Souls. Two Souls. Okay. Anyways, go on. Um, Quantic Dreams are <coughs> Quantic Dream games are known for their focus on storytelling and branching paths, among other things. Um, <laughs> but the studio's own kind Star Wars. The harassment of Ellen or Elliot Page. <laughs> um, but the studio's upcoming Star Wars project will attempt to merge these pillars with a more action-adventure-focused game. Speaking to IGN Japan, Quantic Dream CEO um, 
Guillaume. Guillaume. Guillaume de Fondemer. <laughs> there you go. Said action elements are also going to be very important. In addition to a very strong story, a very strong story, very strong characters, multiple playable characters, and of course, giving the players the possibility to change through their actions and decisions how the story unfolds. Um, just, just keep Dave, uh, just keep David Page away from the game, please. No more writing from him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done with him. I don't like. He, he sucks as a writer. <laughs> but he has such. But he puts such big, large stacks of paper on his desk when he was ready to. Show everybody the script he wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would compare him with George Lucas, sure. <laughs> Here yeah. is a first draft. Staying true to typical Quantic Dream games gives me... Uh, keeping the fundamentals of a Quantic Dream game gives me deep pause, because uh, there are some fundamentals um, of Quantic Dream games I'm not fond of. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Um, you know who else does the fundamentals of Chronic Dream games? And that's Supermassive. So hopefully they go more the Supermassive. Now, here's the thing. I don't like the writing in, in Supermassive either, but it isn't the dialogue or the characters that bother me. It's the plots, right? Because it's always, it was just a dream. Or it was only, you know, not, it, wasn't, it wasn't real. It was all in their heads, you know. That, that's the part that I hate from them. Otherwise, you know, I like the acting and I like the characters most of the time. Although I, okay, Madame and Din, the characters were assholes, but I think they were supposed to be assholes. Um, but you know what? Hey, if you want to make a, oh god, I just imagine a, a horror, uh, what's it called, a slasher game, like uh, under, you know, the oh, damn, what was the name of that uh, that slasher game that Supermassive did their first game? I was in Tell Dot. Yeah, do Until Dawn except in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> of a murderous Yoda. <laughs> yeah. You are selling me on a super massive Star Wars game. Yeah. Um, here's the one thing we know that it'll have if it's a Quantum Dream game. It'll have a high production value. Because that's what they really love is making something that looks really, really good. Yeah, I, uh, I hope so. I don't want any game to be bad, obviously, but, like, <laughs> also, Quantic Dream, every time I've seen a Quantic Dream game, it's usually saddled with a lot of baggage, and uh, it kind of buries any goodwill of the game itself. Yeah, uh, David Cage loves his misery porn, but then again, you know, all Star Wars fans right now are dealing with misery porn when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know. All I know for sure is that, like, the the more... I'm definitely looking forward to more Star Wars games. Um, I didn't... Well, we have we have the next game with Cal Kestis, at least. Oh, the yeah, Star yeah, Wars Jedi. The, the Fallen Jedi, yeah, the Fallen Order one. Yeah, Fallen Jedi, Jedi 2 is coming, so you have that. Definitely. I don't know, have you... Did you play it, uh, uh, TJ? I have never had a chance to play Fallen Order. I mean, Star Wars Tenchu. How can you how can you not play that? Well, he hasn't <laughs> played Tunic either, for that matter. That's true. He hasn't played Tunic, and it's coming to PlayStation now. Yeah. Oh no, it's coming to it's coming to Switch now. It is coming to Switch. I'm not gonna make any excuses. I just uh. <laughs> Here he goes. He was he was bashing Super Lucky's tail, saying no, Tunic's gonna be much better. And then it comes out first. Super Lucky's tail comes out first. And then Tunic finally comes out, and you never play it. 
<laughs> well, yeah. Hey, you know, I still... I don't still I don't still forgive you for not playing the Middle Earth games. Someday I'll have time on my hands. That day is not today. You know, I played a little bit of uh, Middle Earth uh, Shadow of uh, War, and it has not aged two seconds. It feels like it was made today. Nice. So at least when you play it, it's not going to feel dated. That's good. That was one of the reasons that it was hard for me to get into uh, Dragon's Dogma, despite how much everybody loved it is that there are a lot of things in Dragon's Dogma that just do feel dated. Just think of a game that is a wonderful baby of an Ubisoft open-world game and a Batman Arkham game, and only takes the best parts of each of them and adds the uh, Nemesis... uh, The Nemesis... And here's the thing. The Nemesis system is the most immersive, uh, emergent storytelling aspect I've ever played in any game. Because it's completely random, but it feels organic. That's pretty good. Uh, next item is One Piece Odyssey gets 2023 release date. Uh, One Piece Odyssey will arrive in the West for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC on January 13th. This is just a slight delay as the game was originally supposed to come out sometime this year. The game features an original story written by Ichiro Oda, uh, author of the One Piece manga. I am not a One Piece fan, but I know that One Piece is actually the number one uh, story year uh, month after month after month in uh, Shonen Jump. It is always getting on the highest level. I I know there's a there's a reader voting system. It's always at least number one or number two. One Piece is. So yeah. either you play the One Piece games. I played I played the Naruto game a long time, like twenty years ago. <laughs> the problem with One Piece is that it is a very it is a pretty decent story and it's got a lot of fun to it. It's also like a thousand episodes long. <laughs> So like, I've seen I've seen the anime the uh, uh, what's it called on uh, on the Xbox store, it's like what season two hundred and thirty, yeah, <laughs> something ridiculous like that. It is a it is a long running story. Uh, that said, I don't know this. Uh, ever since they announced One Piece Odyssey, I mean, it is a pirate adventure. It is a pirate adventure anime, and like the idea of get, having an actual like action RPG adventure in the One Piece universe. Sounds really fun. Right. I, uh... Go ahead. I, I, I want a Dark Water uh, pirate uh. story. That, that, <laughs> that was the one that was my jam back in the day. And I don't know, One Piece doesn't quite... It's that. One Piece is more cartoon, although it, it, One Piece is very, very cartoonish and silly, but at the other uh, but also it's... Yeah, it's very dark. Um... Dark Water was not bad. Dark Water is not cartoony. Yeah, it was the Dark Water was definitely one of those sort of, for lack of a better, I liked the setting of Dark Water. I liked what they did with the characters and such, but it was definitely one of those '90s cartoons that was meant to sell toys. <laughs> it had a good story though. It was it was uh, it had a continuing story, and they just never got to finish her go anywhere with it because, you know, it got cancelled and I guess didn't sell enough toys, like you said. No. Mm-hmm. It was definitely part of that era. I would love to see a dark... Like, I mean, if, they, if they randomly revived Pirates of Dark Water, I'd watch the hell out of that. Yeah. But first you have to get back in Shonen Jump, so... <laughs> but, uh, One Piece Odyssey. This game feels like... If they do it right, this could be... 
this could be like a good way to get into One Piece and see what it's got going on. Because I would say that the anime is not that. There's too much going. There's too much to the anime. Uh, you would say you would have to. They were saying there was too much to the game. Actually, <laughs> you have to want it if you're going to get into One Piece. I, they said that uh, One Piece the game, uh, One Piece Odyssey, was chock way full too much of content. I can believe it. I mean, they had one thousand over one thousand episodes to draw from. <laughs> Anyways, um, next this is probably your your jam here, TJ. Will Long Fallen Dynasty gets a demo. Uh, Team Ninja's new souls like Will Long Final Fallen Dynasty. Has a new demo out now on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. The, play, uh, the game is also coming to last-gen demo uh, consoles, but the demo is only available to current-gen uh, console owners. Uh, the game is set to be just as challenging as the studio's Neo titles. A lot of people were. <laughs> I saw, I saw a developer um, play through the game, um, and for whatever reason, they decided to to. Uh, I won't say it's spoiler. Because it's with no context, but they showed the final battle of the game, this guy on a horse, and the developer kept on getting wasted within a minute each time. He did it five times each time. You died. You died. You died. You died. <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't last a minute with this guy. So for those of you who want a really hard souls like, it looks like Wu Long is going to be that. Yeah. I mean, it's a Team Ninja game, right? So, I didn't see any jiggle physics yet on any women. So, but like, these are the folks that made Ninja Guide Black. Yes, and they're also famous for jiggle physics. <laughs> um, yes. Although I, I, I will say that they they uh, exercised restraint when it came to the Nio series. Well, yeah, because uh, it got. What was his name? Tarash? Oh, God, I forgot his name. You know, the guy with the shades. He's not there anymore, so... But they still like their boobs. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this game looks like they decided, you know what? Um, Elden Ring and, and Dark Souls and, and uh, Neo, they're too easy. They're way too easy. We're going to make a game that's really difficult. I also love me... Well, hold on. This is... No, that was something else that I was thinking of. This is just a good, another good samurai game from uh, from Team Ninja. I, uh, I I confused this for a sec with another game that was like uh, I think it was uh, the Monkey King. But I oh yeah, no that that that's a, diff- a completely different game. Yeah. Did they did they show the Lies of P at Tokyo Game Show? It seems like a sort of game that would be there because that's uh, Souls like with Pinocchio. Right. I didn't see it out there. But I also didn't watch all of Tokyo Game Show. Is it? Is it? Um, the one? Isn't Benicio del Toro the one who's behind that game? Benicio. I know he's making. Oh, I didn't know. Oh no, he. No, I'm sorry. Benicio del Toro is doing his own uh, Pinocchio movie, which is going to be dark. Ah. Now, Liza P is like a, basically a Soulsborne with Pinocchio and steampunk, yeah. which that sounds weird as hell. But I'm also way into it. It. It makes sense though. It isn't something that's completely baffy. It's sort of like the Alice games by American McGee, you know, which are also taking a story and making it weirder or darker. You know, this this it it fits in with with the story of Pinocchio. It's not something that's just batshit crazy and out there. Yeah, the art and the settings in it too look freaking excellent. 
So, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to give this world, uh, TJ, since this is uh, basically the spiritual successor to Neo. Yeah, for sure. And it looks gorgeous as well. Team Ninja has been doing some really, really good job with action RPGs. And Deathloop update will extend the ending and more Game Pass news. Uh, Xbox announced that Deathloop is coming to Game Pass this week, and it'll come with a newly extended ending. By the way, which is really weird, is that Deathloop is also coming on the same day to PS Plus. So it's going to be both on Game Pass and PS Plus, which is strange. Uh, in addition, Game Pass subscribers can look forward to a new Forza Horizon 5 update, Blaze Blue, Cross Tag Battle, Guilty Gear Strive, and Nino Kuni the uh, Wrath of the White Witch remastered, as well as Fuga Memories of Steel. Um, they also said, they also made sure that, yeah, Nino Kuni 2 is also coming. That's next year. Um, Microsoft showed off a lot of Japanese games at, um, they also taught, they also had, um, I, they just now started preloading for the, um, uh, damn it, um, for, my brain is, is, is hiccuping, for the Persona 5 Royale is now available to preload, um, on Xbox and PC. So, but it felt, and other people noticed this too, it felt more, more like, um, Phil Spencer was talking to American customers about having Japanese content, and maybe next year it'll be he'll be offering Japanese content for for the Japanese. Because right now it's just sort of like, hey, you know, you like all this um, this stuff? Well, it's going to be on Game Pass for you guys. I was not expecting Nino Kuni to be on on um, on Game Pass, let alone the Xbox. Yeah, um, I'm extremely extremely interested to see how the changes on Deathloop turn out. Because the the ending of in of itself, like both paths you can take with the ending of Deathloop, are very very vague and, and open ended. Right. Um, oh, and also um, the multiplayer for Deathloop will be crossplay. Um, they're also adding a new weapon that you'll be able to discover throughout the playthrough, and they're adding a new power, which yeah. I don't know much about either of them, but I'm very interested to see. Um, they also are changing up a little bit of the way that Juliana plays, so they're going to be reworking her kit. I I want to see the new weapon. I want to see the new power. I want to see how the new uh, ending goes. I want to see if it's like definitive, or if they tie a proper ribbon on it, or if they still leave it open ended for something new. Yeah. Also, your game of the year is going to be finally on Xbox too. Guilty Gear Strive's arrival on. Xbox Game Pass. Game Pass comes at a very interesting time because they are just about to test crossplay on PC and PS5. Oh, uh, well, guess what? <laughs> I want to know if they are working Xbox into those crossplay plans. Of course they are. Of course I, they are. They, you think they have to, right? Like I don't know. Yeah. Of I, course. Uh, I would love that. I hope that they do, and I hope that uh, it goes well because I would love to play against even more people. Yeah, because that's one thing that people have, this console wars thing, you know, and you know, here, crossplay allows you to play with more people. And I, I love it. I have never had a, I've never had a day in Guilty Gear where I haven't, where I've had a hard time finding a match. And it's nice to know that after more than a year of that game being out, I can still easily just find somebody to fight. Um, and with crossplay coming up, they're going to be doing it at the end. They've said that the crossplay beta is coming at the end of uh, end of September or the early uh, October. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see that player base grow. Yeah. Um, 
I have not yet actually played a Persona game, so Persona 5 Royale is going to be my first. I mean, I know all about it, but I haven't actually physically played it yet. Yeah, uh, and for the most part, I've heard nothing but good things about Persona 5 Royale. I've heard a lot of people say that the, it fixed issues in the, in the narrative and expanded the game in fun ways. So it's going to be fun to see how that turns out. Yeah, and they're also going to uh, have Persona 3, the PSP version, and and Persona 4 coming to Game Pass as well. There's a lot of shit coming to Game Pass. Um, well, I, I know you played it. I think you played it. Uh, but how is Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle? It's fun. It plays like a it's a it's like a Marvel versus game, but with uh, Arc System Works characters. Um, it's got and I'm and well, not all Arc System Works characters. It's also it's several different fighting games worth of characters brought together in one game, and it plays very very much like a Marvel versus game or a Capcom versus game. You know, in my brain, I keep confusing Blaze Blue with with Skullgirls for some reason. I can see that they're both very fast paced and very combo heavy. Um, yeah. And very colorful. Was there anything else at uh, Tokyo Game Show that you want to talk about? They are remaking Front Mission 3, in addition to launching remakes of Front Mission 1 and 2, and that was my favorite announcement from that entire week. I am uh, a huge fan of the Front Mission series. It's it's essentially Final Fantasy Tactics meets Armored Core, um, where you can can arm... you, You get mechs, you can upgrade them, you can arm them with different weapons... And you can destroy, when you're in combat with other mechs, you can destroy parts of the mech, like blow off. If they have a machine gun arm that can really do damage to you, it's in your best interest to maybe target that arm and blow it off. Yeah, we should mention that Front Mission 3 originally came out back in 1999. Yeah, this has been a, the first two games um, have never officially been released stateside. Front Mission 3 came out on on uh, PlayStation 1, and it was one of the only games the, from that series that came stateside. But they are all three of them very good games. I've had a chance to play yeah. the first one and the second one through certain means. And uh, You should mention that the remake is coming out on Switch. Yeah. So. Um, the remake is about to come out in November. The second one, as I think... No, no, it's coming out in September. Oh, wait, what? Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it was announced in September. Oh, I'm an idiot. Now, yeah, because this is September. supposed to come out in, in November. Um, the second one is coming out in, I think, 2023, and then they're going to be doing Front Mission 3 again. I'm very excited for those games. Yeah, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in the series. You have Front Mission, Front Mission 2, Front Mission 3, Front Mission 4, Front Mission 2089, Front Mission 5, and Front Mission 2089-2. The first three are the only ones that matter. The rest of them are bad. <laughs> they also have some spin-offs too. Aren't any of them good? Eh, they they kind of moved away from the strategy element in later games, and it really kind of dragged it down. Scott, were there any games that 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 we haven't discussed yet that really impressed you? No, I think that was a just yeah, just uh, hundred heroes. That's it. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> uh. So anyways, uh, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, London Missionary News, and our gaming history articles. We enjoy a few excellent. Leave us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes and leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chess. And now I just remembered it was Octopath Traveler 2. Was the other All right, yes. Square Enix. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, and uh, they're they're including a. They actually listen to feedback, and they're having intertwining stories. So there, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna have a better story. Yeah. Uh, you know. It looks like they also have a huge uh, character uh, pool too. It looks like they really expanded the character pool. Yeah, they uh, have eight new characters. Uh, they each have the name from for the Octopath uh, acronym there, and they have uh, they have different path abilities, and they have a day night cycle now, and it looks like you can travel on the ocean. Uh, or it's, you know some sort of boat, uh, so it, it looks like it'll be a good game, and that's coming out next year. Yep, and it's coming out on all three platforms too, if I remember. Yeah, or all four platforms. Uh, and Steam as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say. For, I was saying the fourth platform was PC. Yeah. Mhm. So. It'll... So anyway, yeah. Anyways, uh, you can you check us. Oh damn it! <laughs> we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.